0: Father Harmon, Father Lugo, are we in a new season? Does this even mean anything when we say that?
1: Well, I think that we make a difference in the podcast episodes. We put a little three next to these episodes now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll
0: do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, so we are we are in a brand new uh, liturgical cycle.
0: Yeah. How about that. Now we are in a new liturgical cycle. So mm-hmm. this is the confusing thing. I didn't learn this until like two years ago, three years ago? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, I mean, okay, I know about the liturgical cycles. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. What I didn't know... So we are moving into the 2021 year. Like we're approaching yeah. 2021.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh-huh.
0: Which means that we're going to be moving back to year one.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. So like the daily Because mass- it's an
0: odd number. So like 2020 was two. Yeah.
1: So you're referring to the daily mass readings?
0: Yeah. But I don't think... For Sunday mass, that doesn't come into effect.
1: I'm wondering though if... I don't know the answer to this, but I I wonder if it's a moot point
0: because (laughs) Advent... A moot point? (laughs) Because Advent and Christmas... Do they have have their own readings anyways? Have their own readings anyways. Yeah. Uh
1: Yeah. So the trick with the even and odd thing starts after, like during ordinary time.
0: Well, is that right, though? Because they're using the same... Like, it's the same... Uh, the lectionary doesn't change. Well, except when you go from one to two.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't There's
0: know. There's no Advent lectionary. Um, isn't there?
1: The, uh, yeah. For daily mass? No, there isn't. There's just... Yeah. That's a good question. I, we'll, we'll have to look it up because it is confusing. You're right. I've never had to... <laughs> I've never had to care. I mean, like, I've, never to, <laughs> I've never had to
0: think Normal about it. Normal people don't care about this. Yeah.
1: I mean, until we became priests, I don't think we ever would have thought about this kind of stuff. Um, Hey, right off the bat, uh, I have a thought about this this set of readings for Advent. I know that we haven't talked yet about what our homilies were today, but just really quick, I just want to say something about the Advent readings. Um, tell me. I got to tell you, like, right off the bat, I feel very happy that it's Advent, and I think one of the like points of the seasons is that it's it's like exactly what the gospel is. It's like, wake up. <laughs> like I was reading these yeah. readings and I was like, oh my God, like whiplash, like total whiplash <laughs> into advent yeah. mode. And then like new themes, new colors. It was a very like sensory shift where it's like, oh, this is some of the pedagogy of the liturgical year is to get me to like, to, to shift gears very quickly and to like realize like, oh, I've been kind of lazy. I don't know. it just got me sort of more reflective just as just by reading these readings for the first time. I was like, oh, wow, we're in a different season. And I think on a meta level, that's kind of the whole point of shifting liturgical seasons, you know, is that there could be a whole family yeah. built around that. It's like we're shifting gears so that it's no longer business as usual, like refocus people, you know.
0: Well, there's an interesting thing that happens. Uh, and this is this is something that I wanted to talk about just in general, um, you know. I, I will always, if you ever ask me what my favorite gospel is, I will nine times out of ten tell you Luke. I'm just okay. a big fan of Luke. And it's kind of providential that my first year as a priest was the Luke year, mm-hmm. um, which was epic. I got to preach on my favorite gospel. Mm-hmm. Cool. Now we're moving into Mark. And I I mean, I love the gospel, don't get me wrong. But like, it never really hit me until like this morning when I was praying with these readings that... That brevity and that that uh, kind of exactly what you're talking about, you know, this whiplash, this get ready, let's go. This gut punch. Uh, for Mark was, I think, a really interesting way to approach Advent. Mm. Um, you know, because a lot of the time, especially these days, you know, we're... With coronavirus, we're trying to prepare for, like, the long haul and trying to, like, get everything ready and, you know, be sure, be 100%. We can't do anything unless blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now Mark is like, yeah, forget all of that. (laughs) Let's go.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, as you say that, one of the things that comes to mind, though, uh, thinking about coronavirus as sort of like a, a microcosm for what Christians generally have experienced in the history of the church is what I might call, like, alertness fatigue. Like, we we, <laughs> yeah. we just, like with coronavirus, we've just been so hyper vigilant that most yeah. of us just don't really care anymore. You know? So right. right. Um, and I mean, Christians over millennia have been told every year, year in and year out, like, oh, be ready, be ready. Jesus is coming. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> I mean, you told me this last year, but. Right. right. Know, so, how is this message yeah. of the gospel, like, ever ancient, ever new? You know, like it is It is a gut punch. It is a be watchful, be alert, but it is kind of tough because, I mean, is Jesus going to come back, you know, soon? Uh, I, don't, I, mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know the day or the hour, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to take a more metaphorical approach to that. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I need to be like like St. Paul and telling people to get ready, pack their bags. <laughs> um, yeah. But like, that second coming, you know, well, I, I don't want to get it because I don't know enough <laughs> to really get into all of that. That's some deep, deep theology stuff. Um,
1: well, try. Try your hand. <laughs>
0: uh, Let's see. I don't even know. Like, where do you begin? Is With, it coming? Um, well, yeah. Je- like, that's Sunday Mass. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The coming of the Lord. We literally get to receive the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Right, right. Um. So, like, what are we talking about when we say something like that? That's well, what I get confused about quite often.
1: When we talk about what? Like, Jesus coming back?
0: The, yeah, the second coming. Like, okay, yeah. I, I realize that the Eucharist isn't this isn't that, but, like, are you just waiting for somebody to come and tell you what to do? Like, I, I can do that. <laughs> sure, sure.
1: So, um, uh-huh. yeah, so I think, so traditionally, some of the theology is always kind of, like, around the three comings of Christ, you know, so the Christ Christ coming in the incarnation, uh, Christ coming at the end of time, but then Christ coming in the Eucharist, um, or just in the body of Christ generally, and then sacramentally in the Eucharist. Um so like that is a nuance, but I, I kind of feel a little bit that like as a homo- as a homily, it's a little bit like a a watering down of some of that punchiness of Mark's gospel, you know? Um It's like, be vigilant, because Jesus is kind of already here, you know? So like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and I don't know, like there is something about the urgency of the second coming that is real, you know?
0: Yeah, and I don't think that those have to be so separate. Like, we do have to realize that that Jesus is here. I mean, if we've got all of these gifts and we just sit on them because we're waiting, it's like, that's not that's not good. Mm-hmm. You know, we were just talking about this a little while ago. Uh, alternatively, if I'm just over obsessing about giving th- about the, about um, like getting things, we're talking about money. Okay. let to get into that. But like the, the two extremes of this are not good. And so how do we live with this tent, this tension where Christ, you know, we, we pray for the second coming of, of, of the Lord, we also pray that he is at work and active in our lives. We also yeah. pray that we be attentive to his call when that happens. But we also pray that, you know, like there's this weird tension that we've got going on that we're always praying for, um, what do they call that? What's that kitschy phrase?
1: Oh, the awkward, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, the Maranatha. <laughs> anyway. The Maranatha come Lord Jesus. Anyway,
0: no, it's not, a, not important. Not important. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that it can even be like boiled down to a simple, "Oh, well, it's clearly this." Mm-hmm. So, like, our, did... Jesus never does that in the Gospels. Sure. Well, he does. You know, sure, sure. For the poor. <laughs>
1: I gotta tell you, like, so I think one one thing that uh, that permeates all three dimensions of Jesus's coming, you know, um, in 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 Nazareth two thousand years ago, in the future at some point, and now is always the unexpectedness, and I think that that might be what you're driving at, is that Jesus is always coming in an unexpected way. Um, you know, there's always these reversals, like his arrival in Jerusalem was on a donkey and not on, you know, a stallion or whatever. Like, there's always these paradoxical juxtapositions of Jesus's reality versus our expectations. So, like, the birth of Christ at Christmas is happening in a way that you would not expect for the king of the universe. The second coming will probably not happen in the way or in the time that we want it to happen And one of the things that I preached on today during uh, the Feast of Christ the King was, you know, if the Feast of Christ the King, like you and I like to talk about, is not just the end of ordinary time, but kind of that hinge Sunday between ordinary time and Advent. It's like, we're going to spend the next five weeks in Advent praying for the coming of the Lord. And this gospel from uh, Christ the King Sunday is Jesus saying, I've already come and I'm in your midst as the person who's hungry that you ignore. Like that, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And so to your point, like Jesus is imminently here and he, he pushes us to see him and recognize him, not just in the beautiful manger that we put under the Christmas tree, but, you know, in the person who's outcast and hungry, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Um,
0: So. Yeah, go ahead. I like that. I like that a lot. I did not preach as per usual. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Maybe that'll be my Advent. Resolution. Uh, resolution. Is that a thing? Advent resolutions? It could be. Uh, anyway, we'll talk about that. I want to switch gears a little bit, though, and ask you a question about this psalm response. Okay. I've never really been struck like this with the psalm response before. But if you look at it, it says, Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face and we shall be saved. Mm-hmm. Does that strike you as a weird thing to say? Am I... Am I making too much out of this. Like
1: the make us turn to you?
0: Both both phrases. Make us turn to you. Oof.
1: Oof. Yeah. Let us see your face. And yeah.
0: If we can only see your face, then we will be saved. Like, hmm, interesting.
1: Yeah. But also the let us makes it sound as though it's like we're clamoring, but God is somehow hesitant.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: No, that's interesting. That's interesting. You know, just to add to that, the first reading, uh, the one thing that I highlighted that goes along with that. I was really confused by this it said why do you let us wander O lord um (laughs) yeah and then and then then return for the sake of your servants it's like wait a minute we're wandering (laughs) we've just admitted that and then we're asking the lord to return like (laughs) it's what what is this weird like anyway yeah we've we've admitted in isaiah's reading as you said in in the in the psalm is that there's something weird going on here about like the way that we behave and what we put demands on god for like we're telling God to return, to make us turn to Him, to let us see His face. Yeah, I don't know. It's a little, it's a little strange.
0: Yeah, and I, I do wonder about thing about things like this quite often. You know, this these are the these are the times when people really I think get confused about you know what this whole message is and what it's not. Mm-hmm. And we spend you know you and I in particular spend a lot of time saying, well, you know, it's not really about God forcing you. It's not really about you know, God coming down and holding your hand, and telling and dragging you, leading you this way or leading you that way. Um, that tends to be what the enemy does. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and here we've got in our readings like the people crying out for that, for that very thing. Yeah. and that could be it. Like that's that's what we see throughout human history, right? I often like liked when I taught scripture um, in high school. I often like to to emphasize that these readings are not so much. Like, okay, they're the divinely inspired word of God, sure. Um, Not taking anything away from that, but it's also the lived experience of God's people and how they respond to God's living word. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of the time we see the people, I think, incorrectly crying out uh, for the wrong thing, Hmm. or incorrectly crying out, and it's the wrong thing. Well, I don't know what I'm trying well, to say there.
1: Yeah, but like the Psalms, in particular, pointing out a Psalm here. So like the Psalms are great because they're giving voice to very human desires. So like there's other... Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's other Psalms that are like, destroy my enemies, Lord.
0: Like, <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, yeah. may, maybe that's not a great prayer, but it's a very human prayer. It's a very right. honest prayer. Like, deliver right. me, Lord, from the snares of my enemy. Um, mm-hmm. And here, you know, it's a very, it's a good plea. Like...
0: Lord, yeah. And, I and calling the Lord the shepherd, O oh, shepherd of Israel, hearken. Yeah. Here, come, save us.
1: Yeah. I love that. I mean, it's great because I I sometimes do cry out to God and say, like, God, I can't do this anymore. Like, please right. make yourself oh, known sure. to me, you know?
0: Absolutely. And I'm not saying that we should not do that. Like, please, please say that. <laughs> That's yeah. one of uh, the, the very m- most important first steps is recognizing that you can't do this on your own. Mm-hmm. You, you in fact, Father, do not have the power or the strength to do this on your own.
1: I'm realizing that more and more.
0: Like, seriously, though, like, we all need to recognize that. But I think there's a nuance here that I find really fascinating, where it's, we're, we're like, we are um, trying to command the Lord, make us turn to you. Mm. Like, I don't care that I don't want to do it. Make me do it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good.
0: Like, that's that's the part that I find really strange. (laughs) Mm. And maybe even somewhat problematic. Hmm.
1: What do you think of this line from uh, the second reading? He will keep you
0: firm to the end. Well, I think that... (sighs) Hmm. Stuttering. There we go. That's how much I think about it. Yeah, I mean... Uh, Okay. I, I, I think not, it could go either way. I think I it could go either way with what end. I was just saying. I mean, I, I, no, I, not at all. <laughs>
1: so, Yeah, I mean, I, there is something really beautiful, I think, in all of these readings that I think what, what you end up seeing with that psalm, also with this keep us firm to the end, also with the first reading with, you know, return for the sake of your servants. There's a real gritty human desire to be with God uh, yeah, and to not shy away from begging the Lord to make himself known. Um, admitting my own wandering away, like in the first reading, but then still turning it back on God and saying, like, God, please fix this. Like, what? that's a really good disposition to begin a preparation for Christmas is, like, we want the Lord to come, you know? Mm-hmm. We want you to arrive and to change things for us. Like, that's a really great way to begin. And not just, like, taking it as a foregone conclusion that we're we're so great that God will become our Savior again. It's like, no, we are kind of wretched and we need him to come. You know, we, we <laughs> beg him to come.
0: Well, that's the beauty of the, um, the meditation on the incarnation from the spiritual exercises, is that one of the things that I love about it is this beautiful image of the Holy Trinity looking down <laughs> upon the earth and seeing how wretched we are. <laughs> yeah. And so we, in a sense, we need to, <clears throat> excuse me, we need to be able to partake in that desire for unwretchedness, mm-hmm. for us to come down and for that Savior to work, to work. Uh, to work. For that yeah. Savior to to be there and to save us. Mm-hmm. Um, like, if we don't recognize that, then, yeah, there's a problem there. Right. And I think you're right. There is a beauty in that, you know. Th- and going back to, you know, what we were saying about the Gospel of Mark and its and its um, punchiness. Like, do we just kind of sit around and say, oh, yeah, mm, you know what, this is pretty bad, but I- I'll work on that. You know, mm-hmm. I- I've got time. It's fine. Yeah, or... Yeah. Do we say no actually you need to you need to do this now like this is important
1: yeah hey um I'm gonna for the second time I want to switch gears just one more time uh i I was just struck by this idea in Mark's gospel there's this this line uh repeated over and over again watch be alert, watch therefore I say to all watch what if this is an exhortation to learn how to pray
0: <laughs> yeah um yeah.
1: Like, could you have a whole catechesis on what does it mean to pray? Like, I guess whenever I read this gospel and I think about Advent, I just think maybe this is why I get really exhausted by the, like, eschatological reading of Advent, where it's like, oh, my God, I'm so tired of waiting. Because I keep thinking in terms of, like, wait for Jesus to arrive on the cloud, wait for that day, which will come a thousand years from now. But what if this is more of a catechesis on, like, learn how to sit still and let me come to you? Like hmm. let let me arrive in your heart. Let me come. Be watchful. Be alert. S- stay still, because I'm going to come to you now. Like, could there be yeah. a whole catechesis here of like? Maybe you could turn the entire season of Advent into a time to teach people how to pray. Um, like yeah. A Christian, that. a Christian prays this way with urgency but also with a restfulness like we have an urgency where we in the first reading in the psalm in that keep us faithful to the end like we have an urgency a desire to, to be with God but then Jesus says great take all that and sit down and be quiet for a while like yeah. I don't know there's something there I like
0: that a lot but also think about what happens like and this is I think well I don't know if it is or not but there's this Tendency, I think that we've got, you know, when we're, when we're talking about being watchful, being alert, being productive, like there's, I think there's an, an easy trap to fall into where if I'm not moving, if I'm not busy, then I'm wasting time. Oh yeah. I if I'm not that. moving, if I'm not, if I'm not constantly alert and watching that I'm doing it wrong. Hmm. So I like what you're saying about turning that into our prayer, because that's oftentimes the exact opposite of what we want to do and what the evil spirit wants us to do, which is exactly as you say, wait for the Lord to come into our hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes that takes doing nothing, sitting there for an hour. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, Patiently yeah, yeah. waiting.
1: I got to tell you, like that, that hits home with me. I was just having a conversation with a buddy here at the house and you know, we were talking about the tendency for a lot of Jesuits and a lot of priests and everybody, I guess, to, to become kind of workaholics, um, mm-hmm. always moving from one thing to the next. And you're right. Like if the attitude during Advent is just another like, all right, be on edge, be on guard, always waiting, waiting, waiting for the next thing. It's like, wait, maybe it's completely the opposite. Jesus is saying wait. And by wait, I mean wait. Sit down <laughs> and,
0: like, <laughs> yeah, and like
1: you know, be alert in your heart, not be alert in your brain. Like, my brain is always yeah. alert, but my well, heart is Well, because
0: what happens, like, it we get too, I, th- I think we get too distracted when we try to be so hyper focused because we don't know. Like, that's the other thing. Like, we think we know. I want Jesus to come reveal himself in this way to me, so I'm going to put all of my energy into looking there. Mm. Well, guess what. He's not going to go that way, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so you've yeah, just yeah. missed all of the ways that Jesus has revealed Himself to you mm-hmm. in these other smaller ways, in these small whispers.
1: That's great. Heck yeah, man. Hey, so there could be something here, you know, a good catechesis on prayer. Uh, yeah, we'll see where this goes. I mean, it, it might be good too to turn, you know, the four Sundays of Lent of Advent into a bit of a series of catecheses, you know, um, based on the on what the Gospels give us. Cool. Any parting thought from you?
0: No. All right. Go pray.
1: Sounds good, man. Till next time.